0: Hello and welcome to another Milwaukee Admirals podcast with Charlie Larson. I'm Aaron Sims. Uh, We're pleased to be joined in this one by uh, certainly a fan favorite over the last, uh, well, let's go back a decade, right? Yeah, pretty pretty close to a decade, right? Uh, Pretty close to a decade. This guy uh, joined the Admirals and uh, he's been one of the fan favorites certainly ever since then, uh, even though he's no longer with the team. He's been actually, he's been four years away from the team now that you think about it, right? Yeah, right. right four right. years with somebody else, but he's uh, he's always uh, cheered and rooted for when he comes around here, and people certainly in, our, in the Admiral's office love this guy too. Uh, he's a former Admiral, now with the Iowa Wild, Mike Liambas. Mike, uh, thanks for doing this.
1: Yeah, no problem. Things thanks are going okay? Me. Yeah, everything's going great.
0: What do you think when I say fan favorite? Do you, do you, do you do you understand that? I guess does that hit you? Do you take that seriously? Because you know you are, right? Uh, maybe. Don't be humble on this one. Here, you're a humble guy, but don't be humble here. Right? Yeah.
1: yeah. When I hear fan favorite, I picture Peter Bartell in the crowd just screaming. <laughs> <laughs> that's true yeah that that is a
0: legit thing were
2: you has it always been that way for you i mean hockey always likes the tough guys right the hustle guys the guys who aren't afraid to mix it up and you've always been that way but have you always been a fan have you always
1: felt like you're a fan favorite everywhere you've gone um well when i was in erie um, it kind of went that way me and my one of my best buddies Luke Gaz, that kind of fed off each other every game if he would scrap I would scrap and it kind of started even before that um, well, I went to I got invited to Erie's training camp and one of my best buddies, Ryan Ludzik, came up to me and told me, Hey like, hey boss, like you gotta do something to set yourself apart from the guys that were drafted and, and that are, you know, slated to make this team and he actually set up a scrap for me in one of our inner squad <laughs> games. <laughs> really? Yeah, with a guy on the ice. He told that guy and we went out there up and draw and we, we scrapped and I did really well. It was my first ever fight on the ice and, and um, I did well and I ended up making the team and then I just did that you know to survive and, and stay in the lineup and, and and stay where I was and it kind of just became a thing from that but it's it never happened until that until that inner squad fight. So happens. you're what,
0: 16, 17 years old? 17 years old. 17 yeah. years old. It's interesting. I wanted to ask you that. I'm glad you brought that up first because my my line of questioning was going in. You mentioned Luke Gazdick. Uh We Luke got a Gazdick, story there that we, we do wanna... a little bit later. Yeah, oh, but yeah. Luke Gazdick is 6'4", 225, 230, right? Yeah. I mean, he's a big man who, yeah. when you see him, yes, you're not 6'4", 230. No. no. So how do you realize? When do you realize that if I'm ever going to make it anywhere, this is the role I need to take? Because certainly when you're 10 years old, you want to be – you're Wayne Gretzky, Joe Sackick, Wendell Clark, Wendell, Wendell, Wendell Clark. Clark. Yeah, you're a Toronto. Uh, exactly. You're a Toronto guy. Uh, actually, uh, started, although Wendell Clark is a scrapper, good scrap too. With
1: uh, Scott Stevens, actually, I, I grew up watching every, like, you know, every Christmas morning you wake up and you get the new Don the Cherry Don Don video. video. Yeah, sure. and there was a whole segment just on Scott Stevens cutting across, you know, <laughs> drilling the, guys. The, yeah. yeah, those big hits, and I, I always, I mean, even in minor hockey, I was just a physical guy. Like I'm Italian and Greek. I got the fire in my blood, <laughs> you know, and I just. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, it, it just it was something, and it's still to this point. Like I was just in survival mode. I want. I knew I wanted to play hockey, and that was the doorway for me to be able to play hockey was to keep doing that, and um, that's what I did just to survive. You know, and I, like uh, most people know by now probably. Like I was, I was a defenseman until I got called up here to Milwaukee, right. and. Um, that's what I did. I made it as a free agent when I was in junior, and I fought probably 27 times that year. Me and Luke would, would go out there, and if, if I fought, he would be fighting next shift, or if he <laughs> fought, they would get me fired up and I'd go out there. And we actually had Anthony Peluso, too. Uh, on oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I played. Uh, Murderer's Row. Yeah, I <laughs> right. Played, I played two or three games at forward because we were injured, and. and me peluso and gas were on a line (laughs) it was like midway through a game we were down a couple forwards so they put me up on forward and peluso shot the puck from the half on it like went off my pant and in the net and i played another couple games with them until we got healthy and then went back but yeah that was probably scary for some people at at some time oh
0: i can't imagine i mean we're laughing now but just the thought of that the
2: 17 year
1: olds who are lining up against you like yeah, let like, move it up what? to nineteen. Yeah, right. But <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, but I like hockey's changed nowadays. Like nowadays, I mean, back then, like I, I wasn't even a like I was an afterthought, you know, compared to those guys. Those guys are six four, two thirty, right, right, you know, right, five right. foot nine, like one hundred and eighty pounds at that point. But like I said, I did it because that's what got me to make the team, and that's what got me to keep in the lineup, and that's what I just did to survive.
0: Was it? Survive, yes. You've carved yourself a wonderful career out of it. Um, were you happy that that had to be the way? I mean, or did you say my happiness would result in me playing hockey and going far, whatever the whatever the price is? That's that's what I'm willing to pay.
1: You know what? I was fortunate enough to be so naive when I was younger that you know my parents are always about hard work my they're blue collar people they went to work they saved their money and they made dinner for us when we got home and we went to bed and did the same thing every day and they always just told me you know just keep working and keep dreaming just keep working just keep working and it'll work out and that was kind of just the avenue I had to take and I I just no matter what the avenue was I was going to work as hard as I could because that's What I was taught. You know, things will work out if you just work hard. And no, I don't. I don't. I'm not like regretful about the way it all happened because I got a great life right now, and I don't regret anything that's ever happened in my life, the good and the bad, because I am where I am. It's where yes, exactly.
2: Because you spent a number of years playing in the ECHL.
1: Oh, even lower. and even you played in
2: the the IHL. IHL IHL. IHL
0: was Bloomington at the time before I died. Yeah.
2: So. And at, 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 when did you think to your, did you ever
1: think to yourself, boy, like. There was three times that I thought I was done with hockey. Yeah. You know, like this, it, maybe this isn't it for me. And Right. Yeah. So I played my, my third year in Erie. I played like five games because I had two hip surgeries that year and I was lucky enough actually. So I came into training camp and towards the, no, towards the end of my second year, I started having some hip issues and I just played out the year. And then that summer in May, I had a hip surgery. And then going into my third year in August, I was on the ice for training camp and like we were getting bagged at the end of a skate and I was on all fours. And Sherry Basson, who was my GM came down and was like grilling me like, what are you doing? And I was sitting down and like, and I just started crying. Like I, was, I couldn't even get up. Like I couldn't stand up. Mm. And there was something still going on with my hip. So I went and got a cortisone shot and I did some treatment for a month, went home to Toronto and did treatment. And I came back and I still couldn't play. Like I tried skating and I just couldn't do it. And I was spending like three or four days a week at the Shriners Hospital volunteering in Erie just because I was out of high school now and I wasn't skating so I just spent a lot of time there. And the head doctor, Dr. Schrantz from Shriners Hospital got in touch with our trainers, got what was going on with my hip, my MRI, sent a request in to the Shriner's Hospital, the Head Shriner's Hospital in Tampa, because I was old it was too old. I right, was like you're 19 or nineteen, 19 at the years time. old or and it was for kids, you know. Yeah. Right. And there was Dr. Bird out of Tennessee at a Vanderbilt actually is was coming to town on December 5th in December fifth in two thousand eight to come do three hip surgeries to teach like I think there were seventy five doctors around. And doctor Schrantz got me approved to be one of those surgeries that wow yeah, if that didn't happen, I got shivers just saying that, because if that didn't happen, I would right have never done the plan. You know, I would have never known you guys. I would I don't know where I'd be at this point in my life. And anyways, I ended up getting that surgery, and I had to rehab for like four or five months, and I played the last five games of the season um, going into playoffs. But it's, I mean, every week hockey gets faster and faster in the season, and I just couldn't keep up at that point because I right. missed a whole year of hockey. Um, yeah. So, but and after that, the next year, I, Robbie Fatorik was our coach, and uh, I, was, I just remember like I was just so determined because I had this hip surgery. Actually, was before that, um, Rick Dudley was the GM, assistant GM of the Atlanta Thrashers, and he wanted to bring me to uh, Atlanta's camp the following year. So
0: And Ludzik was tied there, right? That you're
1: best friends with yeah. Ludzik's kid. Yeah. So, Ludzi, Steve coached, Ludzik. Steve Ludzik coached a team. I think it was the Tro- Detroit Vipers in the IHL. I was going to say, he and Rick Dudley are tight, yeah. yes. Yeah, and so that was a connection there that got my foot in the door. And so Ludsy, I mean, Rick Dudley also had a connection with Jared Scaldi, who was a head coach in, in the s- IHL in Bloomington at the time. Yeah. Okay. So because I didn't play all year and I was going to camp the next year, they, Rick Dudley had me go to play the last eight games of the year for Scalds in, uh, in the IHL. And I did that. And then... Uh, I was so amped up i was going to my first nhl training camp worked my tail off all summer i got in the best shape of my life like the best shape still like to this day was was that summer yeah and i went the day before i was leaving for atlanta's training camp i was teaching a couple of the young guys before exhibition games in erie like some just self-defense stuff if they got in a fight right because back then there was two three fights a night especially in exhibition games and one of the guys I was holding fell down, and it twisted my, my, my thumb, and I snapped a tendon in my mm. thumb. And the next day, my hand was blue. It was huge. And I'm just freaking out, and I'm trying to hide it in physicals right. before this Traverse City in, in Atlanta. Yeah. And, I like, the doctors saw, they ended up taking an x-ray. We are about to play a game against the Rangers, and they took an x-ray right there at the rink, and, like, they just saw my joint opening and closing. They were like, we, oh. can't, we can't let you You can't go. go out there. So the next day, I was sent back to Erie. Um, and then I was just crushed because that was my first camp and I just had so much momentum going, you know, after rehabbing for my hip surgeries, you know, and thinking my hockey was done at that point. And then I finally got, like, a second opportunity thinking, okay, I'm going to an NHL camp. Now I can, like, you know, gain some momentum here. And then that happened. So I went back and I rehabbed my thumb for, like, four s- four to six weeks and then came back to Erie, started playing. had two points in the first three games back, and I'm just feeling great. Yeah, And then... You know, obviously all that stuff happened in junior with that hit. And yeah. and, and then, then again, I was like, that was the second time where I'm like, oh, my God. Like Am I done? I, I'm like, maybe maybe at this point, I'm like, maybe something's telling me that I should be doing something else. You know, I should listen to that. And so I let some time pass. And then, you know, Scaldi always called me and was like, hey, you got a spot here if you want to come play. Um, so I ended up going to play for Scalds in Bloomington in the IHL again. And I played, like, 17 games, and I think I had 14 fights because everyone just wanted a piece of me from everything that happened. Right, right. Yeah, and then uh, I ended up getting my wrist stepped on two days before my 21st birthday and severed four tenons in my wrist. Oh, cheapers. Yeah, and I woke up with hooks coming out of each fingernail and fishing wire to, like, halfway up my arm. And <laughs> that was the third time where I'm like, all right, like, this is... Like, should I, I be done? I, I can't be doing this. Like, yeah. maybe, like, I should listen to, like... I'm a spiritual guy, like not not religious, but I, I, you know, like I believe in energy and I believe in, in, you know, listening to your gut. And I was just really trying to figure out what I was doing. Right. And, uh, I stayed in Bloomington the rest of the year and that summer and rehabbed. And Brian Burke called me, uh, like early on in the summer, like he called me himself and he told me, he thought I got a raw deal and I took a bullet for a thousand men. And he's like, I want to invite you to training camp. He's invited me to rookie camp. He said, right. So I ended up going to rookie camp that summer, and I was in great shape again because I was so determined. And I went to rookie camp, and they had that tournament in London, Ontario. And I played really well there, got on a couple scraps. I remember Nazim Kadri got, and Dale Mitchell, they both were like, getting taken advantage of by this Tim Spencer that was playing for Ottawa at the time, and then Eric Griba. And I changed for someone when it wasn't my time and went out there and grabbed them and took care of it, and they liked it. And Berkey ended up inviting me to the main camp after that, which w- wasn't part of the plan. Right. So now I'm thinking, like, okay, finally, like, I'm, I'm gonna g- get. I've got going some here. momentum going. Yeah, yeah, like finally. And then it comes to like three days before the end of the NHL training camp, and I'm still there, and I'm like, I had lunch with Dion Phaneuf the one day at the rink, <laughs> <laughs> and he's sitting there telling me that like you're doing like such a great job, like this is gonna work out for you here. So I'm going home and I'm thinking, like, holy crap, this is amazing. Like, Toronto Maple Leaf's my hometown. Right. I come to the rink the very next day and my gear's packed and my sticks are taped. <laughs> That's the clue. Yeah. And I just you know, I just my heart sank. And yeah. right away someone grabbed me and was like I had to go upstairs and I sat down around a table with four of them, Dave Poulin. Brian Burke wasn't in there, but there was Dave Poulin and some of the other staff and I didn't say a word. I looked at them like I wanted to just Jump across the table. <laughs> right north. and rip I their knew, throat out? Yeah, because I knew what was coming, you know? And I didn't say a word the entire meeting. And they actually slid a piece of paper over when I first got there for me to sign because I got my teeth knocked out the first day of training camp from a, a tip puck. Yeah. And, and you still me. don't have those teeth? No, Well, no, they gave me, th- <laughs> they, they signed this, they sent this, pa- I'm 19 years old with all the Toronto Maple Leafs brass there looking at me, sending me a piece of paper saying they're giving me a check for $3,000 and this waives their liability. So I'm sitting there, still don't really? say a word, signed this piece of paper, they gave me a check for $3,000 and I don't have teeth to this day because it's like five grand a, an implant. Because they sure. took advantage of you. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. So I didn't say a word, still signed it, listened to what they had to say. There was no room in the American League, no room in the East Coast. And I was sitting there and I shook each of their hands like I wanted to break their hands. Yeah. And I walked out and like I started crying because I had my hopes up and like I went yeah, through sure. so much where I was finally gaining steam and I thought something was gonna work out. And I just remember calling my brother William and he came and picked me up and I went home and sat in my room that it was like a Friday night. And um it was kind of a backup plan. I didn't have any plans of going to Canadian University, but I ended up calling the coach on that Friday night and i i didn't even tell my parents yet and i booked a flight that friday night for s- the next day for saturday and i packed my hockey bag i packed a hockey bag full of clothes and i left the very next morning for ubc and i just needed to get away right. from everything i was so like raw I, I almost was, huh i was just, i was like a little m- mentally mixed up you know yeah. I was, i've had a like you know even though i went through that in junior with that hit and and it was so unfortunate and the like, kid got hurt I was, you know, pretty screwed up from it too. Yeah, sure. You know? And all the roller coasters of hockey, the ups and downs, and then I finally thought I got some steam going, and then I get released and I'm sitting there, literally with not even an East Coast League contract. So I'm like, I gotta just get away, and I right. left the very next day, went to UBC, and I was, you know, just trying to find my way, and then it came back. Like I, I've had multiple conversations with Steve Ludzik over that time you know, just about finding my way and, and seeing if I wanted to keep playing hockey. And same with Scaldi. He kept in touch with me once a month. And he was really an angel, wasn't he, Jared Scaldi? Everyone was in my life. I would not be where I am. No one, no one is where they are in their life with, like by themselves. You know, there's always people that help you help along the way. along the way. In and... sports. And I've had guys from James Richmond, my minor hockey coach, who's now the coach of Mississauga Steelheads in the OHL. He got Mark Seidel, who's an assistant GM in Erie, to come watch a practice in the summer. Because I, I skated with James Richmond. To, and then he and Mark Seidel invited me to training camp in Erie. Wow. Yes. And then, you know, Robbie Fatorik was a huge help for me. He, like, cared about me as a person and really helped me. Um, and then Jared Scaldy, like, his whole family opened up their doors to me. I was 19 years old or 20 years old, and the IHL was, I think, the next youngest guy was 27. He was glorified men's league. Right. You know what I mean? Right. He wasn't even pro hockey. Yep. He was, Sorry, I
2: was just gonna say. So is that how you ended up in Cincinnati's? Because Scaldi so got the head yeah. job yeah. at the Cyclones in the ECHL, yeah. which is de- now you're going from the IHL, which you say is like it's an old man's it league,
1: glorified men's league.
2: Yeah, the ECHL though is development. Like yeah. not a, you're you're one of the guys that has played in the ECHL and gone on to play in the NHL. There's not a ton of them, yeah. but there are. It's it's development.
1: Yeah. These guys, that's what they're trying to do. So Scald, I kept in touch with a lot with um my neighbor who I grew up with, Dan Ferguson, is he's in his early 60s. His kids, like, are some of my best friends, but Dan is, like, a mentor to me, and he's one of my best friends. And I kept in touch with Dan, obviously my parents too, but Dan um, – Steve Ludzik and uh, Jared Scaldi through that whole process when I even I was away at school and out of hockey I was playing hockey there but it was Canadian University I was you know? saying, right. we
0: should we should point out too that you were a good student
1: yeah so going yeah. to school
0: made sense yeah. if you had no other option
1: yeah and I enjoyed school and I took a year of kinesiology and did really well in it uh, and at UBC it's a really like it's renowned it's a, renowned it's school. a rigorous Canadian, yeah it's a good school um but anyways, I got, I'll i make a long story a little shorter, but <laughs> I got to the, about Christmas time, and I went home with my family and talked to my parents, and I was like, all, I still didn't know where I was as a person and where I was mentally, but I just knew that I wanted to play hockey. Mm-hmm. Like that's all I knew and loved. Yep. Like I wanted to play hockey. So Scaldi always said there was a place in Cincinnati if I wanted to come, and so I knew the UBC season was finishing like mid-February, end of right. February. I already had my ticket booked um, to go to Cincinnati. The to sunday like we played friday saturday and sunday i was leaving i had my apartment packed there and i called actually ubc coaches from the airport and they're like well come in and talk to us and I, I already told them i was at the airport and i made my decision and i went and played the rest of that year in cincinnati i ended up breaking my hand which is why it looks like it does now <laughs> <laughs> my Index finger, which is to say for people who are uh, listening yeah. his index finger is a 90 degree angle yeah um, yeah. So any, anyways, I, I ended up playing there for a couple of years with Scaldi who, even in the IHL, like him and his wife, like I was 19 or 20 years old and, and was such a fish out of water. Yeah. And Scaldi and his wife, Erin and his two kids, like they were <coughs> babies at the time, you know, and now I've grown up with them and, and, you know, true, his daughter's flourishing in New York and his sons at a prep school, like playing hockey. And they're just so mature because they've lived the hockey life and traveled around. Um, but if I if I didn't have these people in my corner, like those people like Dean Evison, Scott Ford, who helped me get to where I am today, I, I like I wouldn't be the person I am today and I wouldn't be where I am today. Um so just getting back to that, like like you no one you can't look at, like, there might be one out of every 100 hockey players that just have the natural-born skill that have just gotten there. But at some point, even them, they've had someone help them along the way, teach them a life lesson. Like, Fordo, everything I know as far as leadership and, and building a and making a team a family has come from Scott Ford. You know, like, he knows how to make a team a family, and he was my favorite captain I ever had because of that. And it shows on the ice. And Dean Evison I got here as a defenseman in Orlando. After Cincinnati, I went to Orlando, and I was playing D, and we played on a Friday, Saturday in Orlando, and they—I guess the coaching staff knew I was getting called up um, after that mm-hmm. weekend game, so yeah. they played me as a forward. And did you know you at that point? No, I just thought I was playing forward because in the East Coast League you can have, you know, like numbers are 16, fifteen you can have, skaters. Yeah, you know, but you can have four extra guys that are scratched one day, and then the very next day you got like you got to pull the. the you need the two ring, guys to show the up, Zamboni yeah. guy to come dress for you, or something. <laughs> right? Yeah. Right. Someone, so I didn't think anything of it, and then after the game they told me. And then Paul Fenton was here who's another guy who, you know, just I owe my hockey career to him. He uh he told me I was just I came here on a Sunday, it was Super Bowl Sunday and he told me that I was here to practice for the week and we'll 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 go from there. You know? <laughs> no pressure. And then we ended up playing Houston and then my very first shift I went out there and grabbed the biggest guy out there was I think Riley Grantham. And Riley Grantham. Wow. Jeez. That then a I name. Was, yeah. I was in the same state at that point. You know, I was f- freshly like just newly trying to figure out a new position. Like it was like reading a new book, you know, yeah. you're seeing the game in a totally different view. And so all I did to survive and stay in the lineup was get the puck to the red line, dump it in, hit guys and, and fight guys and stick up your teammates and, and change momentum in a game because that's what I knew best. That's what I knew to do yeah. in order right. to stay there. And I was good at it. So I just wanted to do that. And then, over time, Stan, Julia, and Dean, and and you know these guys started showing me videos and had me eventually slowly killing every third penalty, and then got me into penalty killing every year, or every every penalty by the next year, you know. Mm-hmm. And he just added tools to my belt to make me successful because Dean was smart. He talked to me about it and how hockey was changing away from just you know the one dimensional fighter. Like you had to yeah. bring other. You have
2: to bring uh, other right. You can't just other other be a fighter. To the table,
1: yeah. So, you know, and then it just went from there, and and um. Here we are today, and I'm still learning the forward side of the game. I'm always, I'm really defensive-minded, and uh, uh, you know, I'm still learning. And you got to adapt with the game. I always tell everyone that because I think that's how you get as an older guy, you get pushed out of the game when you just try and stick with what you knew. Right. Right. You know, right. and hockey, every, any sports, always changing, especially nowadays in hockey, it's so different than when I first played my first pro game. You know, and if you don't change with the game, then then you get left behind.
2: I, w- I want to talk about the, uh, year, the second year, your first full year in Milwaukee, 13-14. Uh, I mean, y- you take a look at that roster and how many of these guys went on to be NHL regulars. Yeah. That's the year of Philip Forsberg, yep. Scott Darling, which is a really unique story in and of itself because Forsberg, is there, he's a tweener between the AHL and NHL. He's the number one draft pick you know the trade with for Michael Latta and Darling is the opposite they live together in a hotel the whole year isn't that is that that's, that's a ridiculous yeah. concept for most people to think yeah uh, so, so so salamaki sissons watson I mean
1: this Bet- is you Bet-o. lived
0: with you lived with Sissons, didn't you? Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah and yeah. but and Biteto too, right? I was I, it well, the 3 no, of you? Valentine. No, it was the Valentine 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 and
1: Sissons. Okay, okay. Yeah. yeah, but Bitsy was Pateto was part of the group though. Yeah, so yeah.
2: but like this phenomenal team and it didn't work out and that's we're, that's we're not we're, what we're here for. But just it's so it, that you go down that roster and that's like they say the road to Nashville goes through Milwaukee. Well, that's the team yeah. right there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I actually like I think about that all the time when I when I watch Nashville, you know, and see Col- Colton Sissons, one of my best friends. We might not see each other for five years, but we'd pick right back up where we left off. Um, you know, we've had some great times together, lived together for a couple of years. And when I see guys that go from, like even Boteto and and Sissons and, and Watson, and when, they, when you're with them for three, four years and you see them, grow into men and then eventually like i was with colton in nashville during training camp when Lavi called him and said get a place here you're staying here Mm. and sis started crying we started crying together because we were just so happy you know right you work your whole life for that and it's not like you could be you could have so much skill and just not be in the right place at the right time and it doesn't work out for you for sure and then you can have the skill and the work ethic and you're at the right place at the right time and it mm-hmm. works out for you. So it's just, you're so happy for anyone that gets called up, anyone that makes it out of camp, anyone that you've ever played with. You know, it just makes me so happy because it just worked out for them. And you know, you've seen how much they put into it and you see how much work they put into it and you see how much blood, sweat and tears they put into it. You know, and for it to work out is just like, that was one of the happiest moments in hockey for me and it didn't even have anything to do with me. Right. Yeah.
0: One other guy that I look back on and I remember we were in Toronto and it was one of the few dual interviews I did for a pregame was with you and Michael Latta. Yeah and you, you guys were and you even they even I don't even know was it you guys who coined it or somebody came up Bata. with that yes so yeah. was it Pata. you guys who came I up with that oh i saw some jerseys somebody the crowd. did that right <laughs> yeah, yeah somebody did that because yeah. you guys were pal did you i'm assuming you knew him from the OHL or how did you, you know, know him before I knew, here
1: i knew lats from playing against him in the OHL and and, sure. and stuff you know i didn't even know him where we hung out off the ice many times but i i remember when i first came in that locker room i was so nervous i was from a team that wasn't affiliated in the East Coast League, coming coming to a team, you know, like Orlando wasn't affiliated with Nashville, right. so I right. didn't really know anyone, at all. Right, you didn't go and to camp with them or anything no. like that. And I came here, and and Lats was the one guy that stuck out to me that made me feel comfortable from day one. You know, just he wasn't even an older guy, but just took me under his wing in a way where he made me feel comfortable and made me feel part. Part of it right Part of away. the team. Because I'm coming in there walking on eggshells where I'm in the lineup and there's guys that are there's drafted someone who's, from Nashville. Right, right,
2: who's not in the lineup because you're there.
1: Exactly. So I'm like, it's just the way I am. I, I feel bad about it. I, I'm not sorry because I'm happy that I'm in the lineup and I'm doing what I can to stay in it. But I feel bad because you're, you're, I'm taking someone else's job that's part of this whole Nashville system. Mm-hmm. And Lats took me under his wing in the, in the form that like he made me feel so comfortable from, from day one, and we just grew from there. Yeah. You talk to him at all? Yeah. Yeah. Every now and then I see him in the summers. We actually trained together um, the last couple summers, not last summer, but the couple before that he trained with us in, in Toronto and he lived a couple, couple streets over from yeah. me. He's playing, he's in, playing he's, in Sweden, I think right now. Yeah. And overseas yeah. somewhere. I can't yeah. remember Yeah.
0: He's where. been in China. China. He's been, yeah, he's yeah. been all, all over now yeah. lately. Yeah. So you you mentioned before your buddy Luke Gaznick. Yeah, Gazdick, this is Gazdick, this yeah. is one of my all-time. Whose dad favorite. played for the Admirals? Yeah, Luke Gaznick's dad played for the Admirals like in '79, '80, is that somewhere right? in there. Picture yes, picture
1: him with the old Admirals jersey. Really? Ad. Yes, uh, yes. Yeah, Mike Gaznick. Yep. Mike Gaznick yeah. yeah, yeah, played yeah, for you, the Admirals. Yeah, you've said that before, yeah, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Right? yeah. So that's this another is family that actually. Before you get into your story, when I got invited to Erie's camp, it was me, Luke, and Jane, his mom, in his suburban that drove me down to erie because my parents were on a cruise that was already pre-booked and this kind of just came together sure at the no last kidding. second so, so they so took you they took me and and <laughs> we actually roomed together for the first couple months of the season because they didn't have even have a billet set up for me yet and uh yeah jane, i remember jane and and mike so my parents were on the cruise and the only promise they made me make them was not to play a game even an exhibition game unless i was signed because then you give up your ncaa scholarship sure sure and Sherry Basson told me that he wanted me to play in the exhibition game before I signed, and I said I can't. Like I, I, that's literally the only promise I made to my parents. Right. So I packed up all my stuff and and I was getting ready to leave in the morning with the Gazdicks, and, uh, and he, Sherry Basson came to me in the morning and gave me a contract, and Mike Gazdick signed my contract with me. Really, really, yeah. wow. Yeah. Real
0: quick, you, you mentioned. Uh, I, I, I'm sorry to interrupt, but and and we don't need to go long in this, but was a U.S. college. In your future yeah, or was it was, was it in your target?
1: I was talking to uh um what's that the U UMass Lowell. Okay. Um Back then, but you were still so young. Like I was only 16 at the time, or 6, 17. Right, but right. It wasn't. It but a lot
0: of guys are playing major junior at that 16, yeah, 17 yeah, years old. So, yes. Yeah. So, yeah. So yeah, yeah. The, uh, Freddie Gaudroke ran into the same thing, same is thing, that yeah. he didn't want to do anything because yeah. of, of the U.S. But UMass Lowell, you could have been Joe Pendenza's teammate. teammate, yeah. There. Teammate, yeah. So you guys you have go. got to be
2: about the same age, I would
0: yeah. think. Yeah, you are. So, anyway, uh, I'm sorry. So, Charlie was getting so into Luke Gazdick.
2: talked about, to talk
1: about Luke put me
2: to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> And I don't know who Luke – t- is Luke, are we, Is he playing for Oak City no, at the time? No, it was Texas. No, it it was, Texas. was the playoffs yeah. against okay. Texas.
0: For his second game. Second game of the playoffs against – the Admirals won game one.
1: Yep. I had an assist in that game too. Yeah. Did you? Yeah. yeah.
0: And. But in the same game, didn't Winnie get hurt too? Brad Winchester? I don't know. He got hurt in the series Winnie too. Winnie was
1: great. He taught me how to tip pucks. Really? really? Yep.
0: Brad Winchester. There you go. Yeah, great. There you so,
2: go. you know, <laughs> uh, fights in the playoffs aren't – Common, Terribly common. Right, no. not real common. And we have no idea that you guys have this relationship. Nobody does. Yeah, yeah. Right? No, no it's I, your first year with the team. Yeah, right? right. It's 12-13. Right. And Gaznik's, hu- like we've mentioned, he's humongous. I mean, you're not, from a, uh, from a height <coughs> perspective, you're not. Yeah. And so you guys fight, and he gets the better of you.
1: Oh, put me to sleep. Knocked o- you out. Alexiak, Jamie Alexiak was wheeling the puck around the net, and that's the red zone for me. If you're in the crosshairs with a D-man wheeling behind the net, yeah, like I'm coming from the other way, right? And I just put my shoulder right through his chest. Alexiak's six foot seven, like two hundred right. fifty right. pounds, And I just put him like I fell too because it was such a big impact, and I'm on the ground and gazes over me, and he's like, "Bus, we gotta go." And I was like, <laughs> I was like "Yeah, probably for that." <laughs> yeah, and he just we started getting at it, and I remember. Um, I couldn't reach him. He was so big. So, I, I, literally, the second I went to go switch to left and grab with my right, um, he just was cocked back, and he just hit me right on the chin. Right on and the I chin. Just and went right to sleep. Right in front of their bench, Boy, if I'm right, not mistaken. Right, to right? Bed. Yeah.
2: Wow. And so, you know, you go off to the trainer's room. There must have been less than five well, minutes Dougie, to go.
1: Dougie and I think Fordo helped me get yeah. off to the trainer's.
2: Room. And Gaznix goes off, goes off the ice as well. Well, he... He's cases. your best friend. Yeah. Yeah. So he's going across the other side to see how you're doing cuz he's concerned about you. Yeah. So you guys but don't know but that nobody yet. knows that. Yeah, nobody know. knows that. So you've got security guards and and Chris Steerwalt who is not a big guy. Yeah. What's he going to do? Like Gaznik's coming into the locker room cuz he wants to check on you,
1: but he Was thinks- he still in his skates by the way? He Do you know his, that? He took his skates off. I remember okay. I was still in my skates because I walked over the concrete. And at one point, I was so scrambled. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But no, he took his skates off. Instead of going to the penalty box, I guess he was pretty rattled that that happened. And he took his skates off and come running over. And I remember you guys saying that like everyone was in a panic because he thought... Like, what? He, are we? We've, n- we've never had this. Yeah, he thought he was pissed coming back at me. Right. I don't even remember it, to be honest. I, I was still sleeping by that's that. Yeah. Roof. But, yeah, I don't, I don't remember it. But So you don't remember talking it. to him after he uh, comes
2: over to the Admiral's locker
1: room to check on you? No. The only thing I remember is after the game, I went and got a couple Domino's pizzas. And <laughs> I remember uh, Cam Reed and, and Shallow were living at the Boston Lofts, I think they were Yeah, called, yeah. Right, mm-hmm. right, right, right above Hilton Grant. And yeah. I was at the Hilton. So I just grabbed a couple of pizzas and, and went over to their apartment, and the next day I came back feeling like a million bucks, like nothing happened. Two Domino's pizzas will do it. Yeah, wow. Do it.
2: And, and the next thing you know, you're, you're traveling to Europe for the summer yeah. with the guy it, who yeah, just, just to, yeah. Yeah, put you to sleep, as yeah. you say. Yeah.
0: Do you enjoy yeah. fighting? I love it. Do you really? Yeah. I ask, I, people ask me all the time, like, do they enjoy it? And I said, I said, I don't know that they enjoy it. I don't think they hate it, but I don't know that they
1: enjoy it. There's a lot of guys that don't. Enjoy it that uh, that I know, um, but it's the I mean, to them it's the shoveling manure you, of jobs. There's no other adrenaline rush like squaring off in a stadium with everyone's eyes staring at you. Right, and it's just you well, it's versus like Wojo, we Wojo say, yeah. always
0: says, fans like goals and fights.
1: That's when they. That's when everyone stands. That's when everybody gets a fired up. I'll winning goal against the cheer of a fight at center ice any day. Like do you like the, the noise of the yeah. fans yeah. yeah. Do you have fear yeah. to the noise for a fight there's just I mean at the end of the day it, we're entertainers you know people are buying tickets like they're <coughs> going to a musical right. or like right. A, right. they're going to a concert we're they're buying tickets to come watch a show and right. it's exciting it's entertaining and we know what we're signing up for Do you yeah. have
0: do you get do you the ha- sense that others enjoy it as much as you do No Some guys do it no. because that's just Some guys do it because they, they have because they're 63220 and yeah. that's what they have to do Yeah
2: do you have favorites, favorite fights of yours? There's one. You, against first of all, you have an incredible memory. Just going over this, you, you're recalling I a, names. I, I do
1: have an incredible memory in some instances. But that's but when your memory, wife tells you short short term memory <laughs> is pretty shoddy. Like, Michael, we good. need a we need a gallon of milk on yeah. your way home from practice. Yeah, or I go downstairs to get something and I'm standing there just thinking for five minutes why I came down, <laughs> and yeah. then you walk out empty handed. Yep. And then I come back upstairs and I have to ask. Got to walk through the down. process yeah. again. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, right. do you have favorite fights from your career? Um, yeah, there's one. Uh, I uh, I remember. I fought Devin Didi-Omedi, his name was, yeah. in yeah, Chicago. Sure. Um, in warm-ups, Chet Pickard was our goalie, and he was stretching close to the red line, and Devin didi came over and stuck him, like, which was kind of dangerous because he was stretching his hips and growing and stuff. Right. And both warm-ups stopped, and all Everybody the Everybody came were in center. to that center ice. Right. I remember that. There was yeah. uh, me, Fordo, um, Latta, and they had Didi-Omedi and this other big French guy that Latta ended up fighting first shift. Um, Debian, de oh, yeah. Guillaume Debian. Oh, Guillaume Debian. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. a, he a good player in this league. Then, yeah, and then a lad is done for five minutes, so I go out there to take Lat's position on the ice. Didio Medi goes out there, <laughs> and we both we don't even say anything. We just look at each other, and we know what was happening. Yeah, and we dropped our shit. I mean, stuff, <laughs> and uh, we got at it, and there was zero defense, just straight. Like Just right. roundhouses. <laughs> just right. Not even roundhouses. They weren't coming from the fences. Just going. Just, as fast just as bam, could, bam. Just trying to hit yeah. quicker than he did. And then switching to lefts and then switching back to rights, and no one went down, and it was just a slugfest, and it was one of the funnest fights I've ever been in. It Do you great. feel
2: the... Do you feel pain when you're getting no, hit? No. There's too much adrenaline. Too hit much with adrenaline. This,
1: with this desk table and you don't feel enough. Yeah. It's Until all adrenaline and everything. Then the next day or the, that night, you're feeling it. in yeah. Your hands and, and your face, but you don't feel anything at the time.
2: I think you told Aaron this, that you, before you get into a fight and you're out there, you're singing. I used
1: to when I was younger because I used to get too amped up. Too jacked up. I up. used to sing, uh, sing the, uh, the wheels on the bus in my head just to almost like relax my shoulders down a bit. Yeah. There's another fight. I fought Steve McIntyre here at the Bradley. Yeah, Center. I remember he was a that. a wild dude. We played he him. Was well, we played him back-to-back, and he took a couple penalties. We ended up whacking him. I think it was like 5-2 or something the first game or 5-3. And the next game, the whole night before, my heart's ticking. I can't sleep because I'm like, I can't let this guy like, just do this. And yeah. like, I look, This like, NHL. I look like a coward to my teammates, not step, stepping up. And in my head, I was like, this is the toughest guy that's ever played hockey in my mm-hmm. eyes. Like, he's six yeah. foot seven, two 260 right. pounds. Just a beast, and so next game, first shift, I go and gently tap him on the shin pads, very gently, to not, to not <laughs> Dear anger Mr. him. Ah, uh, Mr. McIntyre. I, did, I said that. I said, Mr. Mac. <laughs> I was like, I was like, you want to go? And he he was facing the play. It was in their zone, so it was in our offensive zone, and he was facing the play, and he looked. Looked at me, looked back in the plane, looked at me, and he goes, "Are you serious, kid?" <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah." He's like, "All right, buckets off center ice." <laughs> and at that time, I was already pocketing all my chips were on the table. I was like, "I got to do it." Because yeah. to me, if I fought the toughest guy in hockey, I would never be nervous to fight anyone. And it's I never am nervous to fight I, anyone.
2: I I feel like I don't remember. I you know. I remember exactly where I was when that fight happened, sitting at my little perch on press row. And I remember you, you guys circling each other. I could see your eyes like they were bigger than usual. Like I could tell, like this was
0: this meant something. Yes, this This meant something to you,
2: right? Right,
1: because he's so humongous. I knew I was gonna get my ass kicked. (laughs) I knew it. There was no chance I could do anything. You had to get inside him, right? Is that your strategy? He had me, and he started wailing. And and I, I threw maybe two half like half-ass punches yeah and just to do it and he ended up grabbing me he had both hands he grabbed me here and then he squeezed my jersey together around my neck and grabbed me with one and was choking me <laughs> out. so i was gonna say he, you had, he had vice grips around my neck and i ended up going back on my heels thank god and went down and he was polite enough to not whack me again yeah and i only did it just to show myself that you, that know, you if could do you it. Fought the toughest guy in hockey, and you made can it do alive, whatever. Nothing like I can. I can do whatever without being nervous after that. You've always
0: done. You, we we you, we we laughed a little bit when you said, "Mr. McIntyre," but you've always had that respect. I think you did the same well, yeah. with Jordan Tutu, right? Yeah. I mean, you've done that with well. well, just playing against him in the past, right? Uh, it, it all of this stuff. But I'm wondering if people do that to you.
1: Um, I don't know. I, um. You know, this gets into an age-old thing. Do the young guys respect the game
0: as much as you did?
1: Well, it's just a really different game, and and like, you're there. There might be maybe two or three guys that I've ever fought that that I really wanted to hurt. You know, like yeah. at the end of the day, when you're you're all like, even you know, I fought Tenorio a couple of times last year. Yeah, he's a great human being. You guys said he's great to work with, and he's playing a sport and he's doing whatever he can for his team and I'm doing the same. But at the end of right. the day, when the game's done, he's going home to his wife and kid and I'm doing the same. And I got no problems with the guy off the ice. I, re- I remember that with Cody, yeah, I remember with Cody Cody Bass. I remember Cody Bass
0: coming off the bench from rock. Uh, when yeah. you're playing Rockford at the Bradley center, yeah. uh, near the end of a period. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and having to do that and the next yeah. year, you guys are teams yeah. uh, teammates and friends and yeah. everything's cool.
1: Yeah. So we're, we're doing a job and we're doing it within the limits of the game. and, and, most of the time, I'd say 95% of the time, it's in a respectable manner, which is kind of hypocritical to say when two guys are just slugging <laughs> away. Hitting, each, hitting other. each other in the, in the yeah, kisser. But at the same time, 95% of the time, those two guys can go out for beers after and, sh- and, and, and hang out and, and be totally cool with it because it's in the dynamics of a hockey game. And it's mostly, Run. most of the time, done respectfully. And you don't really want to see someone get hurt that badly. You want to inflict a little bit of pain, right. but you don't really want to. You don't want hurt wanna... someone so it affects their family life. It affects their life off the ice to the point where you know, like it would make me feel bad. And like yeah. just like Gaz felt terrible doing that to me. He didn't want to put me to sleep, but he's you know right. it He happened. He you know. wanted to ding you up a little exactly. bit. To I think
0: people people see that. I think the reputation of of tough guys has evolved in the last thirty years. That it's not all. Uh, link gates type players there's uh, empathy and sympathy and the those guys are the guys who do as much for charity if not more than everybody else and those are the guys who uh, that type of thing you're one of those guys and uh, but but that's there's a lot of people like that now that 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 has it's not the old selfish this guy's just trouble watch out for him he's going to play a minute and a half tonight he's going to have three fights in in that minute and a half
1: yeah yeah it's totally different now. You got to be able to, like I said, you got to have more tools on your belt sure. than just the hammer. You know. Well, if you didn't,
0: you wouldn't play the, the wouldn't NHL, play. or you it, 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 take that even back, it, wouldn't you play wouldn't play, play in the I ECHL. Would, I yes, I'd have play
1: in the OHL if that wasn't around. Right. Like, right. You know? And it's just, it's just the facts. And but I'm happy I did, and I'm happy the way everything's worked out. And you know, there were some bumps along the road, but those bumps make like a little adversity. You know, goes a long way. Like. Yeah. Those bumps along the road are are, are lessons, you know, yeah. that you got to learn from and uh, it develops you as a person off the ice.
0: I don't want to keep you much longer, but I'm I would, good with I you know do, well, I do <laughs> want to talk about uh when you get your first call up yeah, to Nashville. Yeah, absolutely. That's, yeah. A, that's and a, and how you got the news and and how you responded. And we know your parents just beautiful people and I'm sure they were uh, they were I I don't I don't remember how they responded, but I'm sure they were just yeah, over they the moon, right?
1: Yeah, they were I was pumped. I I probably got in my truck, I think I remember, him just screaming out of joy. Like, I was so pumped. When Dean Dino. calls you yeah, in? does Dean called it? me up to his office and, and told me, and I was just i was kind of speechless. I didn't even know what to say. When you
2: were going did up... He,
0: was he straight with you on it, or did he oh, yeah. screw was around he with you? Was he trying to be coy? No, yeah. No, he was, like, somebody says, hey, you're not in the lineup tonight. What did I do wrong? It's because you're going up. Yeah. One no, of those things. I don't
1: remember exactly, to be honest. I just, I was in shock, kind of. Like, I couldn't believe. Like I said, through... My hip surgeries, my wrist getting stepped on, getting kicked out of my junior league. I thought I was done hockey three separate times. And then to have Dean Emerson tell me that I'm going up to the, the NHL, I was just... I didn't even know what to think. My brain was just... My wires were crossing. Like, I didn't know what was going on. Yep. Yeah, right.
2: You get that surreal feeling where you're... It's almost like out-of-body yeah. experience, I'm sure.
1: Yeah. I, I didn't know what was going on because me and Freddie Goudreau got called up at the same time. And we're going to Winnipeg and actually the... Day before I got called up, Tamara and her mom drove down from Winnipeg to move her down to Milwaukee. <laughs> and the very next day I got called up to, to go to play w- that's w- that's play Winnipeg. Goes. Tamara and her mom were sitting here in Milwaukee and I'm in Winnipeg with my yeah. family that was there. Yeah. And I had two buddies, Robin Gomez and Chris Gomez, that I played with in Bloomington. Uh, Robin, who's one of the toughest guys I've ever played with. Um, him and his brother booked a flight and came to Winnipeg. It was an afternoon game the next day. It was, day, yep. So I didn't I ended up taking warm ups. I didn't hear from Lavi or anyone tell, tell me I was playing, but I assumed I was because I got called up and there were some injuries. But it was an afternoon game, so it wasn't like there was a pregame skate where you can kind of see yeah. where you're, you're slotted. Um, so I didn't end up playing that night, and I felt bad. I ended up paying for their hotel rooms because they came all the way from Victoria, British Columbia to watch. Um, but we ended up my – fa- my parents came down too, and it was good to see them and everything, but I was a little bummed I didn't play. But then we ended up going to Colorado – I didn't play there, and then I ended up playing when we came home to Nashville and played against uh, New Jersey, and my parents and brothers. And that was an
0: afternoon game too, right? Yeah, it was,
1: which was a complete debacle because I was at that (laughs) hotel – and I'm in the morning. I'm just like, all right, it's a 1 o'clock game. I had to get up and go and try and find breakfast or, like, something to eat. But it was a Sunday in Nashville on Sundays. Everyone's Everything's out closed. It's, Sunday everyone, the no, sure. it's not closed. Everyone's out brunching. Oh. So <laughs> I thought it was, was going to be a religious calling, thing. It's all closed. Uh, it's no, Sunday morning. Paul Wilson gave me a place to go eat, and there's a lineup around the corner. So I go to the place <laughs> next door that doesn't even have anyone in it. And I'm sitting there thinking, okay, I'll get – there was steak and, and fries or steak and potatoes or something. I think I'm getting some potatoes and some steak and like some eggs and literally French fries and a strip of steak with some eggs. And I'm just <laughs> like, what's going on? I'm eating French fries and a steak before my first game. Right. And I Uber to the rink and then it was going well. Um, we were up 4-1 going into the third period with a game the next day. So I'm thinking, okay, like Labby came in saying, okay, everyone's going to be playing here. We got a game tomorrow. Like let's get everyone going. And we go out there and the very first shift, like the drop of the puck, 4-2 they get scored we get scored on line change next guy goes out next line goes out second line Boom, drop of the puck 4-3 <laughs> and then we went out there and i'm pretty sure it was if i my mer- memory serves me correctly it was craig smith who took a penalty which Smitty's one of my favorite guys there so nothing against him i love him yeah and the love the way he plays um then they got scored on we got scored on on that penalty to make it 4-4 I sat there on the bench the entire third period. <laughs> just wanted to curl up in a ball and just <laughs> escape. I had the best seat in the house they could have brought me a popcorn and a hot dog. <laughs> and then, you know, it was pretty pretty tough way to end that game in my first game going from going into the third period thinking we're winning 4-1 and right. just loving it right now to like losing in overtime because yeah. we were going to overtime and losing it. And I got sent down the next day and I was just crushed. Yeah. You know like I wanted more of an opportunity, and I remember trying to get into a scrap with that Miles Wood that was there that hit someone, and and he wouldn't fight me, and that was the only guy in New Jersey that would, or or thought it would. That may have, yeah. Um, But yeah, so I was pretty sour about the way it ended, but my parents were there, my brothers were there, and Tamara was there, and we still have um, Pete Rogers actually Uh, the equipment manager there, um, was awesome. He sent me my gloves, my my pant girdles, and my jersey. Oh, really? Did he uh, really? Do you
0: get a lineup card? Do you get anything like that? What do they do?
1: Yep. The next year I got a (coughs) plaque lineup card with both teams on it, which was awesome from Nashville to do. And then I had my jersey framed and gave it to my parents. And then I had my stick framed. There's like a this cool little... My brother got it all done for me. He does all that stuff back home. My brother William, he's into memorabilia stuff. Okay. Um, but I got my stick framed, and I gave that to my brother William. And I got my gloves framed as well, and gave that to my brother Stephen. Just because with all the stuff that I went through, especially the stuff in Junior, like I dragged my family's last name through the mud, you know, and they all experienced it with me at the same time. So I felt like to this day i just they've, they've they've sacrificed so much for me to play in the nhl and get where i am today and have the life i have i feel like i always got to repay them and that was kind of a way to you know repay them sure. no, obviously i i feel like i still like i'm in debt to them forever but um i think we always will yeah 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 do when you get sent
2: will. down do you think to yourself maybe that was it right do you yeah, yeah. every s-
1: time you get sent down you think maybe that was it yeah even in anaheim it's the same thing like and I'm still now, um, I do anything for another opportunity. Like, and I'm 30 years old, but I, I, you want, like, that's, I mean, it's the best league in the world. You get treated like an absolute king. Yeah. And, and you're in the biggest spotlight in the world. And you, you, that's what everyone's working towards. You know, mm-hmm. every day, everyone here with you guys, your team and, and our team, we're working every day to get there. And do you have, do
0: you talk to that guys about that? Do you talk to yeah? Her? Like I Brandon always, Manel just was called up. Yeah, Brad, yeah, do you? Does he come to you and ask you for advice no, or
1: no? No, he didn't come to me. He's he's a, he's a bit older. He's been through it a bit. But I just went up to him and told him, you know, to just enjoy every moment, not take it too seriously, and and just really have fun. And, do what and you can. Yeah, just yeah. Don't overthink it and just just have fun. I told him probably three times. Just enjoy it and have fun. I was a little. I took it too seriously when I was in Nashville. and I wish I just enjoyed it a little more. Maybe I wouldn't grip my stick as much and. I shouldn't have gripped my stick as much. But that's one—that's
0: h- that's one hundred percent of the people in the world would yeah. t- would treat it the exact yeah. same way. Yeah. Wouldn't they? Yeah. I mean, especially well, it's the, the first, first opportunity. That exactly. You
1: know, I was, what was I, twenty-seven years old or something? That right. Right. And I was like waiting my whole life for this, with all those rounds right. that I had. Thought I was done playing hockey three separate occasions, and now. I'm out there for warm-ups with a huge muzzy and no bucket on there in Nashville at uh, Bridgestone Arena. <laughs> and you, you can know?
2: can you feel like if you're not wearing your helmet oh, yeah. out
1: there, you can feel
2: the the wind oh. going through your
1: hair. Yeah, Ribeiro and Johansson told me he's like you're not you're not 20 years old. You're not a 20 year old rookie. Like take go, your bucket off. Bucket. And yeah, huge duster. Too. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. But you
2: did get another chance the next year. Yeah, in, in Anaheim.
1: Yeah, that was. A, I'm still sour about that too, which sucks, but. I played my first game. I got into scrap with Mike Haley my first shift. You know, just because I wanted to. If if there's any way, I want to turn heads right away. You make know? an I, impression. That one way I can make an impression right away. I would love to go out there and be able to score a huge goal right away. But obviously, that's not. That's not in, what they're relying. Well, looking, they have Ryan Getzlaf, Corey Perry, yeah. so on yeah. and so on. So I went there and I like I like I did here in Milwaukee. I grabbed the toughest guy right away, and that was Mike Haley, and did well against him, and and. Um, played a great game. The rest of that game, the next game we're playing Vegas and little Leipzig is out there buzzing around my first shift. (laughs) I I just almost put him in the sixth and sixth and that Will Carrier came up and, and you know, was grilling me about that and I was hungry for another one. So I asked him to go like he was asking me to go and I was like obliged right away. And I remember just doing well at the start of the fight and he threw one from the fences that hit me and it, it phased me and I kept going. It fired me up at the time. I, like I, like you said, do you ever feel anything? And no, you don't feel nothing. Yeah. It fired me up and I ended up whacking him multiple times after that. And I had my finger, my 90 degree bent finger had a bunch of cuts on it. So I had to go get that stitched up and I had a little s- stitches on the side from when he hit me. And my eyes are still a little crossed and I'm like, geez, this is, I'm 28 years old. This might be my last chance, this can't be it. Because right. In my head, like my eyes, like I was literally going like this. To, like, one eye closed. Yeah. I'm getting stitches in my finger on the side of my face. And I feel the bone popping out from the si- top of my gums. And the doctors ask me if I can bite down. And I'm just like, yeah, you know, I'm all good. Just, like, doing <laughs> yeah, it right. yeah. Forcing it. Yeah. And in my head, I'm like, oh, boy, I'm in one. Yeah. And I go out there, uh, get stitched up, go out there, play the rest of the game. And I played another six games. And um, two games later, or the next game, I played against Winnipeg and got my first assist. Threw it up to Francois Beauchemin, and he put it in. Got an assist, which I still don't have my first point puck because I never (laughs) got one in Anaheim. (laughs) Right. Which is unbelievable. (laughs) And then... If they're listening. (laughs) Right. Bob Murray, you can make this right. Make this right, Bob Murray. (laughs) Then two days later, we're in the Staples Center, and the last game Anaheim played... LA which is a they take that rivalry pretty seriously, man. I'm sure. Curtis McDermott who's just as big oh, he's as a Steve big Mackentire, man. Yeah. He stepped up and crushed Andre Kasha and put him out for a month. And I was dressed that game and Jared Bowl wasn't. And I'm just on my face you can see in the fight video, my face is black and blue in my eye and my face is just puffy on the left side. Yeah. And first shift I go out and tap him, I was like, Mac, we gotta go and he was he was so thankful he couldn't find a fight, he's so big and tough. Right. And if you watch the fight, he hit me about 15 times in the back of the head because I couldn't face him because I knew my face was broken. Yeah. And if I faced him and he hit me in the face. That you're I in do. deep trouble. My face would have caved in. Yeah. And um, I ended up playing another s- five games after that. And we were in St. Louis, and I thought I would have to fight the Chris Thorburn. And we <laughs> get up we get up three again in St. Louis, and and um, coach comes up to me on the bench and goes, hey, no scrapping. Hey, we're up three rip And I looked, and I was like, yeah, that guy knows. And in my head, I'm like, thank God. Because yes, I, thank point, you. At this point, like, I, me and Tam were in the hotel the day after it happened. I couldn't even chew a meal. And, like, I was having our, qu- our, our strength coach make me protein and carb shakes every day because I couldn't eat. I couldn't chew. Yeah. Oof. And it just got to the point where after the St. Louis game, I was like, I can't do this. Like, I feel like I'm about to puke before every game and, like, all day I can't eat. So they didn't have – I saw the doctors there, and they didn't have the right, cap- or the right technology to take a CT scan. So we stayed the night in St. Louis, the next day we flew to Columbus and uh, we practiced. We went straight from the airport to practice, practice. And then right after practice, I went to see the Columbus's facial surgeon. And I get there, they take a quick CT scan of my face. I had four fractures, one on the top side of my temple. I had one under my eye and oh. like a Z, huge like compound fracture right under my cheekbone. I, and I was just – the whole time I was in Anaheim, I say I was sour about it because I knew after that s- first shift of the second game, I knew there was an end game to this within the next two weeks because yeah. of what was going on, because of how I was feeling. I knew yeah. – like after so many injuries, I'm kind of in tune with my body. I know when something's injured and when something's hurt and there's right. a difference between the two. Yeah. And so as soon as I saw the facial surgeon and saw that, again, I just – you know, my heart sank because I knew it was done. Went and signed the IR form the next day, flew back to Anaheim the next day, had three plates put in my face, and I was I out, out was
0: was it uncomfortable to fly? No. It wasn't. No. I was wearing air pressure, pressure and all and that stuff. Like that. Yeah. No, yeah. Is,
1: at this time, it was like, uh, like a week and a half to two weeks old I was going to say, it's just numb, numb. Yeah. And um, so I got home, had my surgery, and I was, you know, sent sent down. I was out for two months and then sent down once I got cleared because they ended up picking up JT Brown. Okay, yeah. Can't get away from this guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's He's right. great. He's great. But at the time, I was thinking that they picked up JT Brown off of waivers. So I got sent down as soon as I got healthy. And then um, I actually uh, – the day after I signed with Minnesota, JT Brown signs a two-year deal as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which is awesome. He's an unbelievable guy. But it's like something Does his dad ever come you know, around, by the way? Happened, it happened with uh, Cody McLeod too, actually. When we were here – I was here in Milwaukee. They ended up picking him up. And I remember yeah. being a little – like – I, he's un, one of my best friends now he's an unbelievable guy but at the time it's just and nothing against him but it's like man, that's the like, job that's, I, I could, that's he's, the job he's here I to want. take my exactly what i'm supposed to what do what i want so it was you know and now he signs with us now and he's just you know him and jt brown I like they're both just at my <laughs> right head. but they're both awesome i was gonna cody's you know salt of the earth human being doesn't get any better than that guy yeah
0: jt brown dad is dad ever around no no no, you know his I've dad never is. I met him. No. His dad was a Vikings running back for about six, seven years. No way. Yeah, I yeah, real I good. Lead, a thousand yard rusher. Wow. All of this stuff. Yeah. I didn't know That's that. That's the reason I ask. Yeah, yeah. Teddy Ted Brown. Wow. Ted Brown. Really have player. to ask him about it. Yeah, real good player. Real good player. How do we wrap this up? What's I left? got
1: some. I got to talk about Steve Ludzik since we talked about him a bit. He's in a bit of a rough spot right now. He's uh, had some health issues, and he's in like stage four. Uh, or something of liver sarcosis or Oh, whatever that's Oh, wow. Cuz yeah, Steve Ludzik had has yeah, Parkinsons, got, right? Yeah, he's got Parkinsons and he he's been just an unbelievable philanthropist. Like he's got a roast every year. He started a whole wing, a Parkinsons wing in the ho- in a hospital out in Niagara Falls. His
0: if people listen to NHL radio, they will hear oh, they yeah. broadcast live from Ludzik's golf yeah. outing/roast slash yeah. every year. Yeah, yes, he so he it is used a big to be deal. on
1: the score too had the hardcore hockey talk to him and Steve Coulious and so Ludzie's in a tough spot right now, and he just, um, he needs a new liver, and he needs, I think, some liver ducts, but a lot's got to fall into place to have the right, it's not just the right blood type. He right. needs a, I think it's an old blood type he needs, but it's cer- some things to do. with like the physique of the body, of someone's body that can donate that one sense, to him. That makes sense, sure. And there's a lot of stuff going into it, but um, some great news was just the other day he got put on the donor list, which is a start. Yes. But he's not doing great right now, and... Um, I actually just tweeted or Instagram something about it, um, just to get the word out there to see if anyone, you know, matches somehow, his blood type somehow, yeah. you know, you know, it's a needle in a haystack, but just if anything can help. Um, so I mean anyone can look into it on Twitter or Instagram I posted it. Um, but if anyone can help in any way he's 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 in a tough spot and that's a guy who's always, you know, lent a helping hand out to everyone, you know, like started yeah. this Parkinson's ward and raises money at golf tournaments and his roast every year, and he helped me. I wouldn't be where I am today without him in my life. So I was messaging my mom the other day asking what my blood type is, what their blood type is, because in a drop of a a hat, I I would go under the knife for that guy and give him whatever he needed to help save his life. So if anyone is out there, that can can help. Are you
0: educated on what it takes? I Because uh, we talk about not blood exactly. type and body type and everything. And I guess I'm under the impression, and maybe I shouldn't even bring this up, but I'm under the impression that I could come to you and take a third of your liver and that would suffice for Mr. Ludzik in yeah, this case. Th- but I don't know if that's no. 100% true it's or not. not. Do you have any idea, Charlie? No idea. I shouldn't have even opened th- this th- up. I no, apologize. Th-
1: yeah. Yeah. Is, uh, we my one of my brother's best friends, Chris, had to um, took half of his liver for his dad, who needed one. And they say your liver does grow back, like if you have a healthy right. liver. So his liver grew back, my, his okay. Chris. But Ludzie needs, I think, his I don't know exactly, serious. but he needs part of the liver and the ducts. Uh, there's two liver ducts as well, I believe. Okay. And so he needs those ducts as well, and the ducts don't grow back. And so if someone gives one of theirs up, they can still, still be fine with one of theirs. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, there's a lot of things that have to match in order for him Sure to have a successful transplant. So they need the right donor. Um, but he's on the list, which is great now. Um, and we're trying to spread the word about it if anyone can help. But, um, like I said, that guy's given everything to the community and lent his hand to everyone to help in any way in any situation. So, um, you would hope to think that, you know, all of his good karma and all of his, you know, the good things he's done in his life will, will return pay the favor. Yeah. yeah. Um, cause yeah, he's just one of the best guys anyone will ever meet. Um, so, Really hoping for him and, and really hoping, you know, to spread the word to see if, if anyone can help. Anyone Do you know, there. is there
0: a specific website or anything for, uh, to go for on, him? I or, know but p- people should just at least look up Steve Ludzik yeah. on, online or, or on your his, Instagram or Twitter yeah. accounts.
1: I posted on my Twitter um, story, <clears> I think, yesterday, and I'm going to put it on Twitter today. I was just talking to Ryan, his son today about it, and um, the Steve Ludzik Foundation has a Twitter as well that his wife Marianne was posting. On okay, the so Facebook. the Steve
0: Ludzik Foundation might be the best place yeah, to go.
1: And I'll go post it on Twitter as well. Um, all the information, you can read through it and see exactly what you need, and, and there, there's numbers, there's phone numbers on there and, and website I know as well that I'll post okay. um, that anyone can go to to look up and see if they can help. I'm glad you things. said that. Steve yeah. Ludzik
0: played for the Blackhawks, and, yeah. uh, and coach, uh, and yeah. all of these things in his career. Yes, indeed. Um, where do you see yourself in five years? We'll end with this. Where do
1: you see yourself in five years? <laughs> 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 I don't know. The you GM know of a team? Yeah, I don't know. I'd love to do player development. That's about the only job I'd love to do in hockey, like we were talking about earlier. You're you know? still not you playing know? in five years? Uh We'll, we'll see. I'm going to get by this year, and then um, I, I do want – I mean, I'm going to play as long as – Till they I tell you not to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love hockey. That's the way to do it. I love the family that we have in hockey and th- the new people you meet every year. And my biggest thing in hockey now is, like, I love working with young, young kids, and mm-hmm. that's why I'd like to stay in Iowa just because, you know, there's – I don't want to move around where you got to redevelop relationships and trust with young kids and start working with them again from right. scratch. I would love to, you know, like we said with Sissons and and Tony Boteto and all these guys that you see that you grow with over 4 years that you help in any way and now they're full-time NHL guys. I want to do the same for Iowa and these guys we got there like Brandon Duhame and Connor Dewar. like those are two young kids that are break starting to like Im- improve every single week and they're such great kids off the ice and for me to I I want I want kids to be able to, you know, look back when they hear Mike Liamus to be able to You know, say, wow, he helped me in this way or he taught me this, you know. And it's not anything maybe just on the ice. It's more so off the ice, you know. I want to teach them, you know, how to be a good person, how to be a good friend, how to be a good husband down the road and a family person. I tell you what, I
0: always quote you. uh, It's something you told me years ago, and obviously I haven't listened to you. But you always said you can't outwork a bad diet. Is yeah. what you used to tell me. Yeah, and you probably told abs, everybody. I
1: told that was with Potato back in the day. He was we were trying to get his weight down or something in training camp. They weren't happy, and I gave him my whole my plan I had from my summer plan. And I he was actually it was uh, I always used to say that abs are made in the kitchen, not in the gym. <laughs> That's a good line. Abs are made in the kitchen. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Thanks so much for doing this. Yeah, buddy. Thanks a Before,
2: lot. Bef- one last thing. Yes. We should at least let you pimp your you – got your own business now. You're a businessman. Kind of. It's kind not, of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm my my totally wife gave going. you money. Yeah, not right? yet.
1: I haven't – actually, She, her and Peter Bartel uh, and my brother are my next three orders. But the seed money. So, so tell – nomadic, nomadic, nomadic designs, I called it. But um, What do act- you do? I like building stuff out of wood and live edge, specifically live edge um, wood. And the wood I get is all been salvaged from trees that have fallen. And instead of going to the, you know, to be burned or, or going to the junkyard, um, these people that I buy them from um, have these companies that bring them to them and they mill them. And then I make charcuterie boards, I make benches, I make dining tables, coffee tables, um, plant stands kind of whatever. I'm making Bodie right now a, a, a little sign out of this piece of ash that I got uh, and I'm hand carving out his name in it and then I'm going to fill it with this green epoxy because his room is all cactuses and palm trees since we were in California when we made them. Sure. <laughs> and so I'm going to make him this cool sign with his name on it but it's just... Working with my hands, I, I was always into Lego when I was a kid. I, you know, would finish my Lego I got for Christmas, and I would do my brother's, you know, Lego as soon as right. I was done with mine. And I was into remote control cars, and I built remote control cars from scratch. And then I would go on to build my brothers or help them fix theirs. And um, it's something I, you know, it's it's almost relaxing. And this I've only been doing it in the summers, but this is the first year I actually got it going in, in Iowa. Cause, since I have a house and I have a whole my whole workshop set up now. And I'm starting to, you know, pump your wife's order through now. She, okay, she ordered good. a nice charcuterie board. She did, and Peter yeah. Peter Bartell ordered a couple. And my brother ordered 10, actually. He's a real estate agent. So, oh, whenever, so he does, a nice gift whenever he for does deals, you know, he'll yeah. leave like a bottle of wine and something. So he's going to give out these boards to his, his clients and stuff. And I'm actually going to do some stuff um, that we're going to auction off at the rink. And we're picking some charities um, to, work, to go towards, like anti-bullying charities. I actually picked one for uh, Ludzie for um, Parkinson's charity. Sure. Uh, and then one, I'm I'm an Earth guy and, and climate guy, so um, there's I I I think it's called UNICEF, but I got to look it up. I have a little notepad on my phone, but I picked three charities, and we're gonna auction some stuff off. We've been traveling a lot lately, yeah. and you know from training camp to get getting a house rented to buying furniture, like setting up my shop was the last thing. But um, I'm gonna spend some time over the Christmas break and pump these orders out, and then. Make a couple pieces to auction off um, with the team with Iowa, so that we can you know raise money raise for a some, bit of certain money. charities and stuff. And at the same time, it raises some awareness for Nomadic Designs. And, and awesome. incidentally,
2: I keep dragging this on, but the first time I ever heard the word charcuterie was I had you out at with Bob and Brian on 102.9 The Hog, and they said, "Hey, you Mike, you you love to cook. What's your What's your favorite thing to to do?" And you say, "I I love a great charcuterie board." And I looked at them. And they're on the air, right? And I'm just off there. And I looked at them like, do What's you guys that? know what a charcuterie
1: board yeah. is? They played it off like they did. I have no idea to this day if they knew. I had no idea what it was. You know what? You have a dinner party. You got a nice, beautiful piece of walnut slab there with a nice handle carved, and, and you got your different meats and cheeses yeah. and grapes and spreads on it and bread. Some and prosciutto. And prosciutto. Some yeah, so. yeah. 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 yeah, some homemade some homemade supersata it's called. My parents make it. Your homemade prosciutto. Yeah. It's a type of Italian meat. But yeah. There's nothing like that. You, everyone comes in; they're coming in in a little hungry, and they got instantly some finger food there to go. Right.
0: Beautiful. Yeah.
1: So what a great What, what a great way, way to end, end it. Yeah, I want to do website uh, on Instagram, Nomadic Designs. Okay. It's called Nomadic underscore Designs. But I wanna. I think I'm gonna get into firefighting, maybe when I'm done playing hockey. And in Canada, you work a 24-hour shift and you're off three or four days. And I really enjoy the woodworking, so I would my my dream. You know, when you say, "Where am I at in five years or ten years?" I would love to be a firefighter you're in a new situation every day you're in the firehouse with a group of guys that's basically your family cuz you got to have their back that's your team yeah. And you're standing in shape you're I can, cooking I can for be them the cook at the firehouse yeah. And uh, at the same time, I have enough off time where I can run a business like my woodwork stuff, have a little shop set up at home and be be doing that at the same time. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. Perfect. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm glad you said that, Charlie. Yeah. yeah thanks, Charlie. Thank you for. My pleasure. Uh,
0: thank you so much for doing this, Michael. Yeah. Thanks Appreciate a lot for it. having me, guys. Mike Leambus joining us. Uh, that'll wrap it up. Thanks for listening to a Milwaukee Admiral podcast.